Hey everybody, today I want to talk about a slightly complicated but really important topic, and that is the reordering of the HR technology stack. And it goes back to the whole idea of what is the core HR system and where do you put different levels of technology to solve different problems in HR and the employee experience. And if you go back in time, the idea of a core HR system really goes back to the 1980s when ERP was created. ERP, which is called Enterprise Resource Planning, which sort of feels like a weird phrase, was actually a very innovative idea in the days of manufacturing economy to stitch together the financial systems with inventory, manufacturing, and then later sales, marketing, and distribution. And as most of you know, if you work in a company, there's a financial supply chain that connects all that together. There's a certain amount of money that's spent to purchase raw materials, and then there's a certain amount of value add provided to those raw materials, and then, then you sell them, and you have a cost of sales and a cost of marketing. And you really do need to know how the financials line up across that customer value supply chain. And that's really what ERP does. And you know, the early companies in that space, many of them were acquired, included SAP, which really did the most magnificent job of this. And then SAP was successful enough to build ERP systems by industry. So you can buy an SAP system for oil and gas, an SAP system for telecommunications, for manufacturing, for retail. And it's designed to manage that entire process end-to-end -end, give you financial uh, insights into where it's strong and weak, allow you to do cost accounting, balance inventory, all sorts of really, really important things. And HR was really not part of that. But in the 1990s, a company by the name of PeopleSoft, founded by the same people that really founded Workday, decided that they would do that. So they built an entire ERP-like system for HR. And of course, HR has its own complexities. It requires global payroll and compliance processing and organizational structure and job titles and job descriptions and job competencies and career planning and all sorts of weird things like performance management and succession management that had nothing to do with ERP, but the ERP vendors thought that the HCM market, which is the HR version of this, would be a really good space to be in, so they all added HR to their ERPs. And in fact, PeopleSoft did the reverse. PeopleSoft started with an HCM system and then bought and built a bunch of ERPs around it. And then, of course, Workday and SuccessFactors came along and tried to re-engineer that again for the cloud. But it hasn't gone extremely well in some sense. Let me talk about the reason, then I'll explain what's going on. The reason is human beings are not static assets like raw materials. Human beings grow over time. They get smarter, they develop new skills, they move from role to role. So if you treat a human being like a physical asset in the software and the system, you're really not getting that valuable a piece of information. And that's why most companies that have large ERP systems have all sorts of problems in their HR environments. They don't even know how many employees they have sometimes because a very high percentage of their employees are part-time or contingent or outsourced and they aren't reflected in the ERP. Employees are moving from role to role. The organizational hierarchy is only really a theory. It's not really the way the company works. So all the ERP structure is getting in the way and so you have to keep redoing it. And over the years, this has become a bigger problem because virtually every company now is transforming into something else. People are constantly working in cross-functional teams 
And the pandemic just accelerated all these digital transformations of our workforce, forcing the ERP to be a much more flexible system than it was ever designed for. So what's happened? That core system, while it's still urgently needed, you really can't run a company without a payroll system and a core HR system, is no longer the center of the universe for HR. We've layered two families of products on top of that. The first, of course, on the very top are the employee experience systems, chatbots, journeys, learning programs, portals, communication systems, well-being programs, all these things that we've really been focused on during the pandemic really didn't have a home in the ERP. By the way, the other problem with the ERP is Whenever you do a merger or an acquisition or a restructuring or a spinoff, you've got to decide what are you going to do with that system because now you have multiple systems from multiple vendors with different job architectures that don't necessarily fit together. So there's all sorts of IT effort involved in making the ERP continuously relevant. Anyway, so there's the employee experience software. And then there's this other layer, which I call the talent intelligence layer the skills engine, the talent mobility or internal marketplace system, the recruiting system that uses AI or inference to determine who should get what job, all of the job candidate data that comes from candidates, which could be millions of people who might be candidates or silver medal candidates for different jobs, the contingent workforce system, the scheduling, the workforce management system, which is a little more ERP-like. All of these other applications are needed and they're actually among the most important ones that companies want right now. And so what I would suggest is happening is that the ERP, as important as it is, is really playing a lesser role. Now, I am not at all saying that Oracle or SAP or Workday or Ultimate or any of those companies are not very important companies. They are. And they're very well-run companies, by the way. But the systems that they've built, the architectures, and the investments they have to make to keep those systems up to date are not competing effectively with the talent intelligence platforms, the learning platforms, the employee experience platforms, and the productivity systems that are coming from the rest of the market. So what you end up is a layer cake, which I will show in the article I'm publishing, which many of you have seen before. And the reason the layer cake is interesting is it allows you to decide where to focus your energies. And in today's day and age, it is common to replace your ERP every eight to 10 to 12 years, because eventually those technologies are obsoleted. The vendors sometimes change new technologies, like for example, this company Darwin Box in India has a really, really different architected ERP, which does thing that the other ones don't do. And eventually companies say, okay, that old piece of infrastructure in the basement, it's kind of not doing what we want it to do anymore. It's too expensive to maintain, let's replace it. But that doesn't mean you should replace it because you have an employee experience problem or because you need better data or because you want a talent marketplace or because you want a better learning infrastructure. If those are the issues you're trying to address, the stack is really flipped. The core of the HCM application area really is the employee experience systems. Those are the systems that make your company work. Those are the systems that empower employees to do their jobs better, to change roles, to restructure, to learn what other people do, to find the projects and the teams and the resources they need to be successful. The ERP system, the HCM system, really was never designed to do that. It was never even designed to be an employee-facing system. If you go back to the roots of ERP, ERP was really there for IT and finance and originally and then for other business leaders. To give you an example of this, you know, the Workday folks have organized their 
products around this concept of the office of the CHRO. They're trying to reinforce in their product teams that they're building software for the CHRO. Well, interestingly enough, there's an office of the CHRO, there's an office of the CFO at Workday. There is no office of the employee. So even Workday, who's one of the most forward-thinking companies in the market, is adding on employee journeys on top of something that they've already built. Uh, so what do we find? In most of the big companies we talk to, the number one reason they want to replace or complement their tech is because they want to build an internal mobility system. They want to improve employee engagement. They want to give deskless workers or remote workers an integrated employee experience. They want to do better surveys and employee listening, etc. And so they're buying products at the top of the stack, leaving the products at the bottom of the stack. And that's really, in many ways, the most valuable way to spend your money. In most companies, replacing the core ERP, which you might do once a decade or even less often, is a massive multi-year project. And if you've done it over the last 10 years, you probably need to leave it, obviously upgrade the software as needed, and really focus at the top. And what happens is all of a sudden, you have a whole different way of thinking about HR software. I've had many calls over the last few weeks with companies that have a heterogeneous backend system infrastructure, and they ask us, well, should we replace all this with Workday? Should we replace all this with SuccessFactors or, or Oracle or whatever it may be? And our answer is, well, maybe it depends depends on what problem you're trying to solve. If the problem you're trying to solve is remote work policies, hybrid work, back to work, employee engagement, employee mobility, career development, well-being, I'd say probably not. It's probably not worth the money and it probably won't get you where you want to go. And so in a sense, the new core is the employee experience and the talent intelligence applications. Now, let me give you a couple quick examples. One of the companies we talked to last couple of weeks is a large food service and retail restaurant type of company. And they have uh, 14 or 15 or more payroll systems around the world. Most of them are on Oracle. I think some of them are probably on other systems. And they have a lot of employees that are part-time. Most of them don't have computers and they want an integrated employee experience system for all sorts of important things like communications, pay, uh, overtime, policies, compliance, back to work, remote work, career, etc., as well as lots and lots and lots of training. Well, those backend systems are not really participating too much in that. So they came to us and said, well, maybe it's time for us to replace all our core systems. And if we got a new ERP, we could do all this new stuff. And we basically said, no, we don't think that's the right answer. You could buy an employer experience platform. You probably already have one and build from the top down. And then if you need integrated data, there's lots of ways to integrate data from heterogeneous systems that don't require to, you to replace them all. If the job architectures in the different countries are different and if they are out of date and you want to standardize them, that is a great project. But that doesn't require that you replace the technology to do that. By the way, modernizing your job architecture is a very, very big deal right now. And I think something you have to put on the list as part of this employee-centric world we now live in. Another example is DHL. You know, I was on the phone with a bunch of HR execs from DHL. DHL has, I think, 700,000 employees. They do business in 200 countries. I can't imagine what the payroll and compliance infrastructure looks like underneath all that. But they're desperate to create a single platform for employee communications and various other journeys, onboarding, and other things. And these are people that don't have access to computers also. So they need a front end on top of that. So they're using something called StaffBase, and they're building a whole set of EX applications on top of it 
not touching the back end. And that alone is very, very complicated. A third example is a large tech company that has been building their own HR technology for many years. They have built a myriad of systems for recruiting and training and performance management and compensation and other things, and it hasn't kept up. They happen to use Workday on the back end. They are going through a project of refreshing and re-engineering a lot of these tools. And what they're finding is that really most of the action, as they go through the applications one by one, are in the EX and talent intelligence area. And they're looking at different tools to do this. Now, one of the symptoms or rather indications that this is happening is the product space. If you look at the products that are selling the hottest in HR, they are learning platforms, they are employee experience platforms, they are platforms and tools for well-being, platforms and tools for employee listening and feedback and surveys. These are really hot. They're much less expensive to buy than replacing the ERP. ServiceNow, for example, is twice the market cap of Workday, which is sort of astounding if you think about it. Workday and ServiceNow are both very well run, very successful software companies with very good engineering and product management teams. The reason ServiceNow is so much bigger is it's in a faster growing market. So going back to my history of working at IBM in the old days, what we used to say back then and when I was in the database industry is legacy systems are systems that work. So if the core systems you have are delivering the mail in a sense, don't expect them to do something they weren't designed to do and focus on the systems on top. Now, you know, of course, there's lots of discussions about what will happen next to the core systems. And I kind of feel like we're at a point in time where Workday was founded in 2008. Success Factors is, I think, a little bit older than that. Oracle has refreshed this technology multiple times, and Oracle's is probably the most up-to-date at this point. UKG is built on a foundation that's relatively old. We're probably due for a new architecture HCM platform built on a graph database, built on network architecture, built on Agile. Uh, I don't think one of those is out there yet. So if you're expecting an ERP replacement to radically change the way uh, your systems environment works, that's probably not going to happen. So if you really are in a world of replacing the ERP and moving to the cloud, that's fine and obviously a good thing to do. But a couple things to remember, not only will it likely not directly impact the EX, but it will force you to spend your money in other places. Cloud-based systems are very expensive. The fastest growing tech companies in terms of revenues are cloud companies. And why is that? They are taking revenue from your IT department. So instead of you spending money on staff and technology and systems, you're paying them to do it. So in a sense, you're renting software instead of buying it. And you know, renting is more expensive than buying over a long period of time. So there is a lot of investment in those core systems. And I think you need to sort of think about them as legacy in a sense, so that you can focus your energies at the top of the stack. Now, one more piece of information I want to highlight. We have been doing research on HR tech forever. And over the last two years, with support from TCS, but really separate from TCS, we have been doing a whole series of case studies on HR tech projects, and they're called the HCM Excellence Series. One of the reports is available at no charge, the other ones are for members only. And what we did is we interviewed 30 or 40 companies and we went through great detail on what they've been doing in their HR tech and how successful they perceive they have been meeting their business objectives with these projects. And interestingly enough, what we found, and you can look at the maturity model, 
is that the ones that were most successful had two characteristics. The first is they were part of a business transformation. There was a reason and a goal and an objective to the system change. So they were merging or reorganizing or growing or whatever. So all of the decisions about how to implement the system were made in the context of this business change as opposed to just a systems replacement. Because there's a million decisions that have to be made how these things are set up and you need some context for that. The second thing we found is that the successful implementations were focused on employee experience first, technology and data second. In other words, they did a very careful analysis, not necessarily the features of each technology, but the user experience and the flexibility and the ability to design and customize the user experience as part of the decision. Because ultimately now, in this world, HR tech is not for HR. HR tech is for employees, for managers, for business partners, and HR. If it's easy to use for HR, that's great. But if it's not easy to use for employees, it doesn't really matter. So anyway, I think a lot of you understand these principles, but I really want to highlight it because at this point in time, the EX and talent intelligence market is growing so fast. I want you to be able to spend your time on that. And if you're having a big meeting to talk about replacing the ERP, make sure you have a really significant business case as to why you want to do that. And if the problem is ease of use or the problem is communications, or the problem is journeys or the problem is internal mobility, you probably don't need to replace the systems you have. And it's perfectly okay to buy one of these fantastic new vendor solutions and connect it up and you'll end up with a fantastic platform moving forward. Okay, thanks a lot. Please contact us if you'd like any help. We, we're very savvy about most of these issues and look forward to helping you with your own personal technology roadmap.